0: the Daily bite, I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we continue in 2nd Chronicles with chapter 7. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of Yahweh filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of Yahweh, because the glory of Yahweh filled Yahweh's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of Yahweh on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to Yahweh, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before Yahweh. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. The priests stood at their post, the Levites also, With the instruments for music to Yahweh that King David had made for giving thanks to Yahweh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry, opposite them the priests sounded trumpets, and all Israel stood. And Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of Yahweh, for there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. At that time Solomon held the feast for seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly from Labo Hamath to the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days. On the twenty-third day of the seventh month he sent the people away to their homes joyful and glad of heart, for the prosperity that Yahweh had granted to David, and to Solomon, and to Israel his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of Yahweh in the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of Yahweh, and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then Yahweh appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you, and this house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has Yahweh done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. This is the word of the Lord. So Solomon has prayed in the last chapter here, and as soon as his prayer ends, God responds. Just like it was First Kings chapter 18 on Mount Carmel, the, the battle of the prophets between prophet Elijah Of Yahweh and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. So here we see fire rain down from heaven and consume the offering. The difference here is that Yahweh also now fills the temple. The priests are going to not be able to serve in the temple at that time. They can't enter it because so Yahweh fills it again first kings 8 exodus chapter 40 we talked about those uh, just within the last two days here this is the picture and this seems to be uh, a recollection of that that note at the end of chapter 5 that also continues with what the people are going to say right here at the end of verse 3 that as they see this as they see the lord pour this fire down they see his glory they actually see it that's intriguing to see, well, to know what they know about this, what they actually saw. Anyway, they bow down to the ground, faces to the ground, they worship God, they give thanks, saying, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. So all of this is the same material that we were seeing at the end of chapter 5 as well, as the ark has come into the temple, and now they're dedicating the temple. So that dedication is what we have in today's text. Psalm 100, Psalm 136 use that language this is their hymns this is something they're familiar with singing before the Lord dedication of the temple now then what we see uh, Solomon's going to offer up and the people with him that's 142,000 animals do we have to do this? do we have to offer animal sacrifices today? that's how the Old Testament sins were forgiven do we have to do that? It's a question for your kids. It should be one that they kind of give you a strange look about, but that was how God promised forgiveness. I mean, read Leviticus 1 through 7. The word forgiveness, or forgive, I should say, the word forgive shows up in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus more than any other book. It's the way God designed it. However, it was all foreshadowing. It all pointed forward to the the richer forgiveness that we have in Christ. And because of Christ's sacrifice, you and I, don't have to offer sacrifices. We don't have to sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats on this altar or any other because Christ has paid that cost for us already. Instead, Romans 12 calls us to offer our own bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Don't kill yourself. A living sacrifice. That is that we we die to self and we live this life on behalf of the Lord. So not for forgiveness at that point. But you have been forgiven so live as his forgiven child live the life he's given not thinking of ourselves but loving God loving our neighbor so we get the dedication of the temple the priests are in their place the Levites are in their place they're singing they're making music to the Lord as King David has established for them to do and David wrote a lot of the Psalms that they'll use So they've already had some practice in that. Uh, Opposite them, uh, the priests are sounding the trumpets and the people rise. They rise for worship, as we have seen in the text before as well. So Solomon's going to consecrate the middle of the court. So the temple, the building proper itself, has a court around it. And we learn here that all of these offerings were so numerous that the bronze altar couldn't hold it all. So they ended up just using the court so that was a huge altar, uh, even 15 feet tall, as we saw when it was built. It couldn't hold it all. All that animal to be burnt, all the blood that was shed. So it made holy, to consecrate, made holy the court itself of this place. Because these were sacrifices, offerings to God. They feast for seven days. This... As we see the dates here in in verse 9, this was the 7th month, and it ends on the 23rd day. They sent away on the 23rd day, so it ended on the 22nd. That lines this up with the Feast of Booths. Israel's 7th month is to remember to celebrate the Feast of Booths. It reminds them of the wilderness wanderings, that they wandered around for 40 years living in tents, but the Lord kept his promise. He was faithful. He brought them into the promised land. So they're to celebrate that every year, and this picks up on that. This is at that same time, that overlap, and the celebration goes from Labo Hamath to the brook of Egypt. Normally, this reference, which is all of Israel, is the reference. Normally, it's spoken Dan to Beersheba, Beersheba, the northernmost and southernmost cities in Israel, but a couple of times we do see this phrase instead. Uh, Labo Hamath being up in Syria, beyond the border of Israel, and the brook of Egypt being south, beyond the border of Israel, obviously Egypt. The people go home on the 23rd day rejoicing at God's goodness, at all the gifts that he has given, the prosperity to David and to Solomon and to all the people. I mean, remember maybe the detail from Solomon's wealth that he had made gold and silver as common in Jerusalem as stone and cedar as common as the sycamore. So, uh, Richness of materials for all people in the land. God has blessed them abundantly with wealth. Then we come down to verse 11. So Solomon has finished both the temple and his own home. No mention really of the the palace made in, in the text other than this note. It's the idea that, again, Chronicles focuses not on necessarily just the things of man, not just on the history of Israel. It's focusing on God keeping his promises, which we've been doing, hopefully as as a podcast together, and also on the temple and the worship of God by his people as he dwells in their midst, which is, again, part of the promise-keeping for the Lord, that he's going to dwell with them, he's going to forgive them. And so the building of the king's palace doesn't have a whole lot to do with that, so it's a passing comment. It takes him several years to build his palace, too, after he's built the temple. So Solomon has been given success by Yahweh in these projects, and then Yahweh speaks to him again. And that's going to be the rest of the text today. This is his second visit. That's going to be referenced in 1 Kings 11, that God will say to Solomon that he had appeared to him twice. The first as when God gives him wisdom, as he's just starting out as king, and now here, after the, the finishing of both the temple and the king's house. So what does this one say? What does God say to him at this time? It's positive and negative. starts positive, actually ends negative. Um, it starts almost gospel, ends with law, judgment, however you want to phrase this. He's heard the prayer. He's answered the prayer. And if the people sin against him and he brings judgment upon the people and they humble themselves, they pray, they turn from their wicked ways, so they repent, as we saw in Solomon's prayer yesterday, God will forgive and God will heal their land. Now note that's a promise specifically about the promised land, Jerusalem, Judah, Israel, heal their land. We don't have uh, our land in the world right now. Christians are scattered through the world as the light of the world. Our land, our country, as Hebrews would put it, is with Jesus in paradise. We look to the better country. But for now, we live here. And so we're citizens wherever we live. We love our our neighbors and we honor our governing authorities. But we don't have a land to be healed. They did. And it would, on occasion, indeed play out this very way. So his ears are open God's ears are open he's listening he's attentive to their prayers their their pleas for mercy He has chosen he's consecrated this house he's made this place holy His presence his glory filling the temple has made it holy and so he will be with them forever Verse 17 As if you will walk before me as your father David walked then I will establish your throne So this is this is that whole pattern if Solomon trusts in Yahweh if Solomon follows Yahweh Yahweh will continue to uphold his promise however should Solomon turn his back on God God will strip him from the land I will pluck you up if you worship other gods if you serve other gods if you turn aside if you forsake my commands and it's not just Solomon here it's also the people although the king represents the people I mean, they demanded the king for Samuel 8. They wanted to be just like all their other neighbors, and they get it. They, they get to be just like all their other neighbors, pagans. Um, but the king represents that. So oftentimes, and always with the king of Israel, you'll hear he, that they committed the sins, they followed in the sins of their father Jeroboam, uh, leading the people astray to worship idols, basically is the trouble marked by the books of kings about Israel. Judah is slightly better slightly there are a few faithful kings but most of them aren't and so eventually over time god's patience wears out it's not that he just does it right away solomon does this solomon breaks this and god doesn't just pluck up israel and throw him away right away he's patient with them for what 18 more generations generations solomon already in the 900s is messing this up worshiping false gods building Altars, so that his wives can worship false gods right there in Jerusalem, and yet it's five eighty-seven by the time they're finally removed from the land, because the Lord is patient, and this is something that we lean into ourselves fully, um, because we're sinners, and yet the Lord shows us His patience. He is patient with us, and in fact, uh, Second Peter chapter three will teach us this. This is why the world's still here. Christ is going to return that's a promise from God but the reason he hasn't returned yet is because God's patience is still enduring God is patiently seeking to allow more time to bring more people into his kingdom that time will come to its close however and Christ will return at which point for those of us who have trusted in him those of us who have leaned into his forgiveness who believe in Christ as our savior who has rescued us from sin death and the devil will get to be with him forever that's a promise that he will keep but for those who have rejected him why has Yahweh done thus to this land and to this house that might be a question for a family to let the kids think through why why did god let his people be destroyed why did he let jerusalem get destroyed why did he let this beautiful temple be destroyed and the world will recognize it. that's verse 22. The world will understand that it, it, it's because they rejected God. He did all this for them. He rescued them, He saved them and they turned their backs on Him. So he removed them. The Lord is slow to anger. He's merciful, He's gracious. but he's also judge. He's also just. And Sin has no part in the kingdom of God. So we rejoice that the blood of Christ purges us, cleanses us of our sins, that we get to be with Christ forever.